You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Monday, the 30th of November, which means there's only 51 days left until Trump can start his new job wishing white nationalists a happy birthday on Cameo. Happy birthday to you, Brian, and all your Nazi friends on both sides. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, why Santa is gonna be sober this year, America's new president is already broken, and basketball superstar Steph Curry is joining us on the show to show us his underwear. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Let's kick it off with some news from the world of boxing, the only sport where it always looks like the athletes are just about to kiss. Watching grown men punch each other is the perfect way to work off some of that post-Thanksgiving aggression. And over the weekend, there were two big fights that showed how the sweet science is as sweet as ever. Saturday night, 54-year-old Mike Tyson fought 51-year-old Roy Jones Jr. Eight two-minute rounds over at Staples Center. The fight was unofficially ruled a draw by the judges' ringside. Uh, The other match of the night, YouTube star Jake Paul took on former NBA star Nate Robinson. Eventually, Paul hit Robinson. (laughs) That's right. Knockout punch, sent him right to the canvas. Wow. That's the first time I've ever seen a human get dunked. It looked like one minute he was trying to catch a bus, and then he was like, oh no, I'm supposed to be taking a nap. And can someone tell me why a YouTube star is fighting an NBA star anyway? What, what is this? Is this just 2020 making shit up? It doesn't make sense. It sounds like they were just matching up professions out of a hat. And in the next fight, we'll see a Nobel physicist versus musical legend, Tony Bennett. To me, the better fight was the main event between Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. It was so much fun to watch. You know, two great boxers going head to head, you know, and they were moving, they still knew how to fight. Although obviously they're still in their 50s, you know? So it was kind of like watching a fight scene from The Irishman, except with double the amount of black people from The Irishman. Now, I know some people didn't think that this fight was worth the 50 bucks that they paid on pay-per-view, but right now, people, this is the only place you can see two middle-aged men fighting. I mean, now that COVID has canceled all the Little League games, where else are you gonna get that action, baby? Speaking of older men, let's move on to Joe Biden, president-elect and the guy Don Jr. thinks is his new dad. It has been a little over three weeks since Biden was declared the winner of the 2020 election, and he's already hit the ground running. Maybe a little too hard. This morning, President-elect Biden on the men, spending Sunday night at the doctor's office after twisting his ankle while playing with his dog, Major, according to his transition team. Biden's doctor saying the president-elect, following a CT scan, sustained hairline fractures in his right foot and will likely require a walking boot for several weeks. Wow. Biden broke his foot playing with his dog? That is such a strange accident or was it someone check who that dog voted for and why does biden need a walking boot he shouldn't be walking he should be riding a golf cart everywhere it's called being presidential also i know this is a hard one to figure out but the president-elect getting hurt by a dog really puts the secret service in a difficult position because how do they handle this? Down on the ground! Hands in the air! 
Roll over! Oh my god, he's so cute. Look at him, look at him, guys. He wants a belly rub. Oh, can't stay mad at that face. All right, but dogs or not, Joe Biden's got to be more careful, right? He broke his foot before he even got into office. At this rate, by the end of his first term, he's going to look like the vase your dad tried to fix. But once again, I am just relieved that America doesn't choose its leaders the same way Wakanda does. Because right now, that dog would officially be the new president of the United States. Is this your king? Is this your king? Moving on to the coronavirus pandemic. It's the reason your aunt finally stopped kissing you on the mouth. Dr. Fauci and other experts are warning that the United States is about to enter a wave within a wave as the already skyrocketing number of cases gets a post Thanksgiving surge. It's the only Thanksgiving leftover you don't look forward to. Well, after Brussels sprouts. And let's be honest, guys, another surge is exactly what America doesn't need right now. Cases and hospitalizations are already breaking new records. And I know nobody wants to give up Christmas. But guys, maybe there are some traditions that we can do without. You will not see a lot of red noses in the city this year. That's because SantaCon, that pub crawl, has been canceled. The flash mob meets, pub crawl event raises money for charity, but they've been criticized because of some participants' booze-fueled antics. An announcement of the SantaCon website says, quote, remain home and stay on the good list. We're all in this together. What? SantaCon is canceled? No! Now how will children ever get to see Santa Claus passed out on the sidewalk without pants. Those poor kids are losing out on a tradition. Can I be honest? I never thought SantaCon would get canceled before Santa. Yeah, because I thought for sure that Santa would have been canceled by now. I mean, let's face it, the dude is problematic as hell. He sneaks into everyone's homes, he goes to malls to have kids sit on his lap, and he's kissed all of our moms? Yo, how is this dude still around? But if you ask me, they don't need to cancel SantaCon. Just make it virtual, like everything else this year, you know? Do the whole thing over Zoom. And then instead of throwing up on the sidewalk, you throw up on your keyboard. It's not perfect, but it's the next best thing. Now, some people are happy that SantaCon is canceled because they say that those Santas just get drunk and act obnoxious in the streets. But I don't know about that, guys. I mean, every year I get drunk and I dress up as Santa and I don't act any different. I'll tell you what I want for Christmas. A brand new sled and a piece of that ass. Ho, ho, ho. That's right. Give it to me, James. Okay, yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe that should stay canceled. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll look at how President Trump is conceding the election without conceding the election. And Steph Curry is still joining us on the show. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Although Donald Jingle Bells Trump has finally given his government permission to begin preparing for a Biden presidency, he's also made it clear that he is not yet conceding because he's still got a shot, people. And don't tell me that the numbers are impossible, all right? This is the season of miracles. I mean, if Santa Claus can visit two billion houses in one night, Pennsylvania can find 100,000 more Trump votes. Come on. Unfortunately, though, Trump's latest efforts to convince people that he actually won the election have been going about as well as all his previous efforts. 
The latest reality check, Wisconsin. The Trump campaign spent $3 million on a recount there, only to come up short. Their demand for a do-over, leaving Biden with 87 more votes than the first time around. President Trump says there is no amount of evidence that will sway his opinion that he won the election. If you watched the election, I was called by the biggest people saying, congratulations, sir, you just won the election. It was 10 o'clock and you looked at the numbers. This election was over and then they did dumps. They call them dumps, big, massive dumps. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes I feel bad for Donald Trump because the more serious he wants people to take him, the more hilarious he sounds. Something stinks about these massive dumps, Maria. They're gonna leave such a huge stain on American democracy. Why is everyone laughing at my massive dumps? And this latest news is especially embarrassing because he paid Wisconsin to do a recount and the recount gave Biden 87 more votes. I almost want Trump to pay for a third count just so that they can be like, oh yeah, uh, and you have a small dick too, Mr. President. You know what Biden should do is he should get Trump to double check everything in his life now. You know, Biden will be like, wow, I've been uh, exercising and I lost five pounds. And then Trump will go, no way, let me check the scale. It's actually 10 pounds. But look, part of Donald Trump understands that he's not gonna be president after January 20th. Because ever since election day, he and his administration have been working overtime to rush through policies and regulatory changes as fast as they can. So let's take a look at some of those new things that Trump is trying to squeeze in on his way out in another episode of Donald Trump, go big and go home. Throughout his presidency, one of Trump's signature issues has been cracking down on immigration. Whether it's building a wall, ending DACA, throwing out Jared's Shakira CDs, or renaming San Antonio Saint Tony. And now, Trump is spending his last weeks making it much harder for legal immigrants to become citizens. Behind the scenes, beneath the surface, this administration is rushing to complete a series of tasks as the president's term winds down, cementing a number of immigration actions, like making the citizenship test harder for people who are trying to become American citizens. Immigrants hoping to become U.S. citizens will have to answer more questions about American history and politics. Immigration Services says it's expanding the naturalization civics test, adding more questions and topics. Starting December 1st, applicants will have to answer 10 more oral questions, a total of 20. The civics test is one of the final steps to becoming a U.S. citizen. Okay, 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 hold on, guys. This isn't fair. How's Trump gonna create a citizenship test that even he himself couldn't pass? He may as well make immigrants do a pull-up. But if Trump is gonna expand the civics test, I think it's only fair to let applicants answer the questions the way he answers the questions. To become a citizen, you need to answer this question. What did the Stamp Act of 1765 institute? Yo, that's a good question, man, because nobody knows the Stamp Act better than me. So many stamps. Some say the greatest Stamp Act there ever was, really, if you think about it. But we're looking very strongly into it, and I'll have more to tell you in two weeks, I say. Uh, I guess you're in? What's worse is that it's gonna be even harder to study for this test now that so many Confederate statues have been taken down. Oh, what have we done? There's no other way to study US history. I do have one question though. Are we sure that making the citizenship test harder was Trump's idea? Cause I don't know, maybe it was Melania's. I'm sorry, Donald. 
They say I have to go back to my country because I don't know enough to be U.S. citizen. I don't understand, Melania. You answered all the questions. Uh, they just added new questions so much harder. Okay, bye now, bye-bye. And if you think Trump is being hard on immigrants, just wait until you see what he's trying to do to prisoners. And federal execution policy also seeing some significant last-minute changes here. The Justice Department creating uh, new regulations allowing for the use of more methods for federal executions, including firing squad and electrocution. That's right, people. Trump is expanding the ways the federal government can execute someone. You know, there's old ones coming back, like the firing squad and the electric chair, and the new ones, like getting in the ring with Jake Paul. And look, I don't know about you guys, but honestly, I would prefer being executed by firing squad than a lethal injection. I mean, first of all, there's always the chance that I'll get saved by Zorro, and second, a firing squad requires a lot more people, so I'm creating jobs for the economy. Also, if you are gonna have executions, a firing squad is just a lot more badass. You know, you get to wear a blindfold, you get that cigarette, come on guys, do your worst. Whereas with lethal injection, it's like, oh man, I gotta go to the doctor and then die? And by the way, one thing I've never understood about firing squads is, why do you need a whole squad? Like, how bad is their aim that they need eight people to shoot at you? This is America. One person can kill 30 people in a minute with a gun. You don't need eight people to kill one person. Now, what's really interesting is that Donald Trump isn't the only one who's trying to go big before he goes home. Many of his international allies know that when Joe Biden steps into the White House, they won't have as much leeway to do whatever they want, which is probably why Israel decided that now is as good a time as any to take their shots. This morning, mystery surrounding the assassination of Iran's top nuclear scientist. An Iranian official now saying Israel used electronic devices to kill Mohsen Fakhrizadeh remotely. Reportedly been traveling with his wife in this bulletproof car you see, when he heard gunfire and got out of the car to check out what happened. And that's when reports say that a machine gun apparently operated by remote control attached to a Nissan pickup truck gunned him down. That Nissan apparently then exploding in what Iranian media claims was a self-destruct function. God damn! Remote control machine guns? Self-destruct buttons? We thought the new James Bond movie was delayed. It turns out that shit was playing out in real life. It almost feels like Israel is getting its assassination ideas from video games. Soon Iran scientists are gonna start getting killed by Kirby. They even had that Nissan self-destruct, which by the way is a terrible ad for Nissan. We need a car to use once, then blow up. So we'll take the Nissan. Although, if I'm perfectly honest, I don't know if I believe every part of the story right now. Cause like, I struggle to understand the concept of a nuclear scientist getting out of a bulletproof car to check out where the bullets were coming from. Why would he do that? He's a nuclear scientist. Not like some guy who eats paint for a living. Also, I think there's a broader takeaway for us to learn here, which is that you only wanna be your country's second most important nuclear scientist. So remember kids, study hard, but not too hard. Now, it turns out that this assassination may have been illegal, but it was also a very slick move diplomatically because Israel knows that Joe Biden wants to bring Iran back into the world, but killing their top scientist is gonna make that a lot harder because now Iran is gonna want revenge, right? And then Joe Biden's trying to make peace. He's gonna come on like, oh, come on guys, come on. Let's all just get along. Come on, Iran, what do you say? We deserve revenge, Joe Biden. Wouldn't you want revenge for whoever did that to your ankle? No, man, this was done by a dog. Yes, the man who did this to you is a dog. Yeah, he's my best friend. You are a very strange man. 
Now, even though the United Nations is begging every country to just pump the brakes, I don't think this kind of thing is gonna stop with Israel. I think in the next two months, you're gonna see all of Trump's friends trying to cram in as much as they can before he leaves office. Vladimir Putin might just invade all of Ukraine. Saudi Arabia could execute everyone else at the Washington Post. And Kim Jong-un, whew, he's gonna be the worst. He's gonna take advantage of everyone being distracted and finally get those bangs that he's always wanted. All right, when we come back, Dulce tells you how climate change could impact your wallets besides it being underwater. And Steph Curry is joining us on the show. So don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. So everyone knows that climate change could wreck the planet and destroy all life on Earth. But even worse, it could cost you some money. Dulce Sloan looks into it in another episode of Count On It. Good news, everyone. The election felt like it was the end of the world, but it wasn't. Bad news, the actual end of the world is coming up. The life-threatening and devastating flooding emergency. A crippling drought. Some people driving through flames to escape. Climate change is getting worse. And even though the election was a small victory for the planet, Biden is still going to need to deal with Republicans who don't think fixing it is worth the price tag. The Paris Accord, I took us out because we were gonna have to spend trillions of dollars. The American economy, it will die if we get rid of oil and gas. Where are they going to get all the money from? Um, One of the people supporting this says we can just print money, Congressman. I'm not taking economic advice from someone who looks like he spends most of his money on eight balls. But I'll admit, after the way 2020 has gone, I myself have wondered if the world is even worth saving. So I want to know what costs more. Doing something like the Paris Agreement or a Green New Deal, or this kind of plan, which is, wait for it, nothing. Nada. Luckily, we found an expert in doing nothing, Professor Marshall Burke. In a sense, we study the cost of doing nothing, although doing nothing here really means doing a lot. I do nothing all the time, and it doesn't cost me a penny. So we have studied this. The Paris Climate Agreement said we want to limit warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. But let's say we do, let's say we do nothing at all. The best estimates suggest we're gonna get about three degrees Celsius, five or six degrees Fahrenheit of warming over the next century. Hotter temperatures reduce agricultural productivity. Uh, Hotter temperatures make us less productive at work. And this could cost us tens of trillions of dollars in terms of lost economic output. If I hear trillions of dollars, I'm thinking monopoly money and unicorn tears. So what will Doing nothing costs the average person. You're right, trillion is hard to understand. Uh, so 100 billion is a, is a Jeff Bezos. So a trillion is like 10 Jeff Bezoses. Should we just kidnap Jeff Bezos and make him pay for it? I, I don't know if our research speaks to a kidnapping approach. What Marshall's research does speak to is that if we don't meet the 1.5 degree goal set by the Paris Accord, it could cost $6 trillion in the U.S. alone. And Miami will be underwater, and not in a fun way. If we go past that, the world's GDP drops by 20%, and the Pirates of the Caribbean ride will have direct access to the Caribbean. On the other hand, what if we actually did something and passed some of the ambitious proposals laid out in the Green New Deal? People talk about like the Green New Deal, like AOC is gonna personally come in your house 
and steal all your Christmas presents and then replace it with a lump of coal and then come back and replace the lump of coal with a solar panel. A lot of the hand-wringing about the Green New Deal has focused on its potential cost. Imagine you have a loved one who's been diagnosed with a serious illness. Uh, so do we say, oh, it's gonna cost $10,000 to fix grandpa like, let's not bother, $10,000, wow. Uh, no, we think about the benefits of that too. We like having grandpa around. So we need to think of the earth as a grandpa we like, is what you're saying. Yeah, the metaphor works when, it's, when you like your grandpa. And we find that the cost of inaction are actually a lot larger uh, than, than doing something about the problem. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. But what do you do if your lazy, deadbeat, ain't shit government refuses to see the logic in these numbers? You take their asses to court, even on the local level. And I talked to one hardened veteran of the U.S. judicial system who is doing just that. I'm actually suing the state of Florida. All we want for them is to cut our carbon emissions. How old are you? <laughs> I am 21 years old. Is it the Doogie Howser situation? I know you don't get that reference because you're 21. <laughs> no, not quite. Okay. How much are you suing them for? Absolutely nothing. You're suing them for nothing? What, do you play lotto for the thrill of the game? Do you go to Vegas just for the weather? So it's kind of like we're suing on behalf of the environment. Could I recommend one thing? Sue to get enough money to buy a submarine. We want them to spend the money on the environment. So we know that it's going to cost us as a society trillions of dollars but if we continue to wait it's only going to be more expensive in the future to pay for those solutions that we need for example the property value of the land that's at risk from five feet of sea level rise is about 27 billion dollars and for those following along that's a quarter jeff bezos like don't get your hopes up you know because there's a chance that florida isn't going to change Florida's still gonna be on your couch, eating on your food while you're at work, asking to borrow your car. Why do you need a car, Florida? You don't have a job. Yeah, so to be candid, if there's no change, if we don't do anything to solve our climate change crisis, Florida faces extinction. On the one hand, if Florida is extinct, then we wouldn't have to deal with Florida anymore. But then again, Florida's part of Earth. And even though it's been hard on us this year, we should still do something to save it instead of nothing. Because I still love Earth. Some people I like live here. Even some people that I love. And I wouldn't trade them for all the Bezoses in the world. Thank you so much for that, Dulce. All right, stick around, because when we come back, Steph Curry will be joining us right here. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with NBA superstar Steph Curry. We talked about the upcoming NBA season, his new partnership with Under Armour, and that infamous tweet. Steph Curry, welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I appreciate you having me, man. Always a good time talking to you. Yeah, man, I would appreciate you telling me about your wardrobe choices before you come on the show. I don't like the fact that now we're both wearing the same hoodie. Like, one of us has to change, man. I feel like, uh, as we all know, the last eight months, we only have a certain rotation of hoodies. So <laughs> this color just happens to be every Monday. I should have let you know that. The hair is the only thing that's going to differentiate us right now. So at least we yeah, got... Yeah, man. I, I, do the, I do my cornrows on the weekend. I'm a, I'm a weekend cornrows guy and then, like, afro during the week. So 
like that. I take most of my meetings on the weekends and I'm back in the gym on weekdays, so I'm the exact opposite. Oh, so you flip it the other way around. <laughs> well, good to have you back, my dude. Good to have you back. Um, we got a lot to talk about today. Before we get into the business, before we get into the big announcement that Steph Curry's making, before we get into all the major moves that you're making, we got to talk about that tweet, Steph. We got to talk about that tweet. Uh-huh. This weekend, we saw uh, some of the craziest boxing fights that, like, anyone has ever seen. Mike Tyson fighting against Roy Jones Jr. That was just uh, like history. And then Nate Robinson fighting against Jake Paul from YouTube, also history. Now, Nate Robinson is a former teammate of yours. Yes, he is. And he, he tweeted out, he was like, I'm fighting for my family. I'm fighting for the NBA. I'm fighting for all of us. And you were like, yo, go get them, Nate. And then he said, I'm gonna shock the world. And then after his knockout, you responded to that tweet and you're like, yeah, I see no lies, man. Yeah. <laughs> So I know one thing about Nate is one, he can dish out the trash talk and he can take it. And I know based on, you know, how the whole match went or the whole you know event went, it wasn't supposed to be that entertaining, but it was. But for Nate, he is the most resilient dude in the world. So if right. there's one person that I know that's going to find like, you know, that comeback type of situation. I don't know if he's going to be back in the ring, but whatever he's going to do. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I'm betting. I'm betting on Nate. So uh, we can have as much fun on Twitter um, and throw jabs. No pun intended. But we can. Uh, we can always know Nate's gonna be in good shape. Do you think like the NBA took this personally? Because I, I I felt like it was like YouTube versus the NBA, and I was shocked that the NBA got knocked out by YouTube. I'm not gonna lie, Steph. That's the best part of like just sports is there's always a narrative that uh, that kind of materializes. So definitely. This is why I tweeted at Nate right before. Like, I was hype. I was ready for him to go in there and do his thing. Uh, when you cross over sports, I think we all have this irrational confidence. And uh, I love that about just, you know, athletes in, in general. Uh, I do the same thing in golf. I was over there embarrassing myself in front of Phil Mickelson for four hours on national TV. Uh, you know, so I, I kind of know the, uh, you know, that experience. But for him, uh, we definitely – you know, took it serious or took it personal in terms of that YouTubers NBA type of situation. We might have to go like tit for tat on, you know, top NBA fighters, if you will. We can get, we, we can throw our list out. Don't worry about that. So I'm not on there. Don't worry about that either. <laughs> you, you, you put yourself down, but Steph, you are really good at golf. I've met golfers who've been like, Steph Curry is legit when it comes to playing golf. You played a tournament for charity. It was yourself, it was Phil Mickelson and, um, you were up against Charles Barkley, who I know you didn't want to lose against. I know you didn't want to lose to him, but you lost. What would you think is a worse defeat? You losing to Charles Barkley or Nate Robinson getting knocked out by Jake Paul? Which one is worse? Well, you, for me, it's got I me. Mean, Nate, he got, he, I'm not, I didn't get physically harmed. Like, we know that. But in terms of, like, pure embarrassment, if you will, like, I know we were both, you know, putting ourselves out there. Uh, losing to Chuck in anything, as much trash as he's talked about me and our team and all that, right. course, that made it, oh, that hurt, that hurt. So uh, I'm going to have to find him on a course somewhere after the season and, and redeem myself. Let's talk a little bit about the season before we get into the new brand and, and what you got coming up. Um, the NBA was, was the most successful franchise in launching a bubble format to play sports in a system where people weren't getting sick. You know, they did, a, they did the best they could, but the season has just been weird. We've got another season coming up now. And on top of, like, corona and everything that's going on, like, everything at Golden State has just been... I mean, it's been a tumultuous time. You know, you, you have been part of, arguably, the most dominant team over the past decade. You know, going to five finals, like, coming away with three rings, like, just, like, 
I mean, there was a point. I remember when people started writing articles, Steph, where they were like, we need to, we need to change the scoring of a three-pointer because these guys have, like, broken the game. That's how dominant you guys were. And now... It's just been injuries. No, you got injured. Clay got injured. He's injured again. Durant got injured. Uh, like, what, what is the feeling in the team right now? And what do you think you guys need to do to get ready for the next season with how many challenges you now face? It's weird because all the things you just said, like, I got overwhelmed just hearing you talk about it. And now I'm like, we're about to start a training camp and, uh, you know, this week and, and gearing up for the 22nd to start our season. So there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of anxiety around, uh, I got my kids running around here. There's a lot of anxiety around, uh, you know, just getting back to playing competitive basketball because we've been out since March. Yeah. uh, We got a lot of new faces. Uh, We know watching the bubble that there's a lot of amazing teams out there that uh, have taken strides as as contenders. And and you see what L.A. uh, has done as champions. So we know the work is cut out for us, but uh, our culture remains the same. You know, me and Draymond as the – the elder statesman, we'll call it. Uh, you know, we've been around and uh, we, we know what it takes to, to win championships. So we're excited for the challenge. And like all the noise around us in terms of, you know, the different cast of characters and the new guys, like we're going to take that and run with it um, and, uh, and and do what we're going to do this year. So it's going to be it's going to be exciting, man. I just want to play competitive basketball again. It's, it's been a, it's been too long uh, sitting on the sidelines and uh, I'm excited about that. One of the biggest reasons you're here today, man, we're going to talk about the Curry brand. This is a major moment for you and a major moment for any athlete where a major brand, like you've worked with Under Armour for a long time, but we all know in sports and in any apparel line, it is huge when a brand says, you know what, your name is so big and so powerful that your name is gonna sort of stand alone within this brand. We saw it with Jordan. Steph Curry has now gone to the next level. Talk us through the Curry brand, because what I, what I really like about this is it's not just about you having your own line. You have an interesting idea of what you want the Curry brand to stand for. No doubt. I mean, you hit on a lot of points, and I, it's one surreal to know that uh, this is actually happening. And it's been, you know, conversation and, and strategizing over, you know, two years now with, you know, my team with Under Armour in terms of, like you said, I've been with them since 2013. We've done amazing things in the signature business and built a substantial business that uh, uh, has a lot of, had a lot of ups and downs, but it's been an amazing learning process and uh, we've grown a lot. And so taking the foundation of what that is and the relationship that we've had and, and being able to launch Curry Brand where, you know, you have um, an opportunity to have purpose and, you know, a, a part of the mission, a part of the bottom line of what we do and everything that you participate in with the brand, product, apparel, whatever it is, uh, all the different campaigns that we're going to run, um, there's a, a message and a meaning behind it, and that is to ensure that you know our next generation has you know equal and, and equitable access to sports across the country. We're starting here in, in my home, you know, my backyard in, in, in the Bay Area, but there's some crazy numbers about you know participation in youth sports, how it's declining, you know, year after year, and obviously the impact that COVID has had. Right. Um, we know our role. And we're going to play our role, you know, to the best of our ability and and use, again, the platform that I have, the story that I've been able to be a part of and and uh, and even looking ahead into the future that, you know, when it comes to doing amazing things and putting out, you know, dope stories and dope product that you're changing people's lives over the course of uh, over the course of this journey. And that's something for us that uh, is exciting and hopefully can be something unique that you haven't seen before. Well, I think there are a lot of parts of it that are unique. You know, it's not just the partnership, but it's what you're trying to do. One of my favorite parts of the partnership is how you guys are going to be setting out to create safe places where kids can play sports. 
and 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 a lot of people take that for granted like you know if if you grew up and you think back and you go like man how many times did you get up to some shit as a kid because you couldn't play sports you know and you you just you know like like my my grandmother used to say idle hands are the devil's playground you know and and sports has been shown time again it teaches you responsibility it just gets your mind going it's great for mental health it gets the kids out of the streets it is a wonderful way to build camaraderie and and just self esteem so you're going to be doing that. You're going to be working. How are you going to be picking the cities and where do you hope to see the program expanding? No doubt. And the biggest part is we're not reinventing the wheel with this. We're just being able to draw attention, awareness, resources, and and uh, support to not only certain communities that need, to your point, safe spaces to play, um, but coaches and, and, and leaders in these communities, being able to train them um, in the ways to reach the next generation um, and be able to create that connection um, but also programming. We know, uh, to your point, when you talk about what sports teaches us and just being able to participate, not every kid is going to be a pro athlete in whatever sport they decide. Um, but, you know, sports gives you that perseverance, that discipline, that determination that you carry into whatever your you know, career path you choose and whatever opportunity is in front of you. So uh, the one thing that I looked at in my journey is I, I never had to, to worry about, you know, I want to go play basketball. Oh, where do I go? Um, right. You know, where, where is there a place that I can go hoop and work on my game uh, in, in that kind of, uh, you know, scenario? Not a lot of kids don't have an answer to that question. And we want to be that answer. Um, and, and, and we talk about where we decide to go. That's listening to community. That's how we started here at uh, Manzanita Park, right at, uh, in downtown Oakland. Um, the community had been petitioning and campaigning, trying to get you know that that uh, community center refurbished for for years and years, and, and we heard their their call and, and got it done. So that's going to be the uh, the the gas in the tank as we uh, you know launch this brand and and live out our purpose and mission. We've got, we got to talk about it now so people know what we're talking about, but you'll be able to, uh, to execute that out and live it out with everything that we do. That's the challenge. Well, you're doing it, man. It's a challenge, but you're doing it every single day. Feeding over a million kids in Oakland, you know, getting back to the court in one of the most challenging seasons the NBA is going to see. And of course, having your voice heard in politics. Steph Curry, thank you so much for taking the time, my dude. No doubt. Next time I see you, just send me the color sweatshirt and we'll match it up. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you know ahead of time, man. And, and you, you tell me who does your rows. I got to get some of those. <laughs> I got you. I got All right, my dude. <laughs> Don't forget, Steph's curry brand will be available from December 1st. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, as you may have heard, there is an important runoff election coming up in Georgia. And if you're watching from the Peach State, the deadline to register to vote online for that next election is next Monday, December 7th. And if you're not in Georgia you can still help by supporting groups like 18 by Vote that are working to engage young people to vote, especially the estimated 23,000 young people in Georgia who were not eligible to vote in the general election, but are now gonna be 18 in time to vote for the upcoming election on January 5th. Ha <laughs> timing. So if you're able to help out and you wanna support the cause, then check out the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, if you're getting drunk at Christmas, do it the traditional way, at home, alone. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.